ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. You may have noticed as your home insurance bills come in, they're a lot higher than usual. In the past year, there's been a huge jump in premiums, with most of us paying almost 30% more. That's even higher if you live in a flood-prone area. Today, Sharon Jitpadam from the Actuaries Institute on his research into why we haven't seen a rise like it in 20 years. Sharonjit, the floods across New South Wales and Queensland last year, they were devastating for so many people. And it's probably worth noting that many of those people would still be rebuilding. It's a long path to recovery, isn't it? It is. And it is. it has been devastating uh, for individual households and individual people. The extent of the devastation caused by severe flooding across two states is becoming clearer this morning. Thousands of people across Victoria, New South Wales and Tasmania are under evacuation orders this morning. And it does take a long time to recover uh, from these disasters and there are still people uh, waiting to have their homes built, rebuilt and to rebuild their lives. Yeah, of course. And then, to add to that, there were so many people in those areas who didn't have insurance on their homes. That's right. Everything under the house, in the workshop, um, upstairs, covered in a in a goo of mud and, yeah, you just don't know where to start, basically. The insurance policy is, is just over $7,000 per year. And uh, you know, I'm 73 years old. We live on week to week. We don't have savings in the bank. So they didn't get the benefit of insurance in terms of helping us uh, recover financially quickly after disasters um, and and have had to rely on the government and Mm. and, uh, charitable services to uh, rebuild their lives. Yeah, okay. So getting insurance in this country, it's getting harder and harder as we face more extreme weather events. You've been crunching the numbers on all of this. How bad is it? Yes, so it it is bad. What we've seen is over the last year, uh, another of a quarter of a million households in Australia will face insurance premiums that are more than a month's worth of their income. And uh, so that gets us to about one in eight households in Australia today that, you know, their insurance premiums would be more than one month of premium. So we think they're not actually buying that insurance because Mm. it would be uh, it would be out of their reach. Yeah. And like I said, it's got worse. Uh, Last year it was 10 percent of the uh, Australians. And now now we think it's 12 percent of Australian households. But it is still affordable for, we think, up to uh, seven out of eight households. On average, it's a one to two weeks worth of income for mm-hmm. those households. Okay, but it's clearly becoming unaffordable for a large group of people. Who are they? Yeah, so there's uh, there's two things here. One is a story about location and, mm-hmm. and where you are and the types of risks you face, particularly flood risk. If you are exposed to flood risk, we've, we've definitely seen very large insurance premium rises. Now, we've seen 28% across the market 
over the last year, insurance premium rise. Mm -hmm. But for people who are in the high-risk areas, um, we've seen up to 50% rise. And the other part to the story as well is that it's not just it's not just about the risk, it's also about who lives in those areas. So what we tend to find is that people with lower incomes uh, live uh, can afford cheaper housing, and that cheaper housing tends to be in flood zones or at the edge of cities and therefore exposed to bushfires. So it's a kind of double whammy impact and that, that it's not only uh, are people with high risk, but they're also people who generally not, don't have the means to afford it. I'm a single mum. I, I can't afford price hikes like that. Friends of mine that have, have insurance, but it's probably about a quarter of what or half of what they should have insured the house for because they can't afford to pay the premiums. Yeah, right. So that's a double whammy there. So just tell me, is it just the extreme weather events that are pushing up premiums or what else is at play here? Yeah, so there are two things that drive it, as we've talked about the the extreme weather events. So I mentioned that 28% increase over the year. Probably about half of that in our analysis is coming through for uh, increased natural disasters, the other half of it, 14%, uh, is being driven by buildings cost inflation. So we know that building costs and repair costs have gone up substantially over the last two years. The costs of construction have made their biggest jump in about half a century. Everything from materials to labour has gone up as a result of the pandemic. Materials prices increased 14.2% on average last year, including 16.8% for timber, 15.9% for steel and 14.7% for concrete and cement. And so that means when someone has an insurance claim, it costs more, more for the insurer and those costs are being passed through. So we are also, I mean, we talked about the double whammy there, Sam, but it's also a double whammy in terms of timing in that not mm. only have we had uh, a, a big burst in buildings cost inflation, driven by supply chain shortages and, and, and the wage restrictions we've seen uh, over the last two years, generally in the economy. But we're also seeing, you know, 2022 having um, $6 billion, upwards of $6 billion in flood claims in 2022. Wow. Gosh, that's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, that 28% increase is the highest I've seen uh, for at least 20 years in Australia in a one-year increase. Now, hopefully the, the buildings cost part of it will will taper away as uh, economies start to normalise um, following the burst we've had. But the climate change impact is, is kind of here to stay. Um, unless we start taking serious action on climate change, that piece is going to carry on driving up insurance premium costs, particularly for people who are exposed to disasters such as being uh, in flood zones or uh, close to bushfires or up in northern, uh, northern Australia where exposed to cyclones. All right. Well, Sharonjit, one argument, of course, is that these high-risk areas, towns and cities, they need to be moved. You know, people shouldn't be living in these places. It's probably easier said than done, though. Yes. I mean, and we are seeing that. So we're seeing state governments, uh, the New South Wales government, for example, has, uh, I think the last check was six, $700 million for buybacks, uh, buying back mm. 1,100 houses. Now that's at the real extreme end. So there are yes. some, some people for whom the only option is to move away. And we are now seeing governments funding, state governments funding 
that, which is, I think, very welcome, although very disruptive to those communities and families who uh, who are having to, you know, move where they may have lived for generations. Mm-hmm. We are seeing other solutions, though. We are seeing the federal government funding for the Disaster Ready Fund, which hopefully should flow through to measures like building levies, uh, improving building standards that can help individual households manage the issue. What else can be done? Mitigating the risks, I suppose, the way we build these houses. What have you found there? Yeah, so it's about what we build and where we build. Mm. So we, we need to build more resilient houses. We need to build houses that are ready for the types of disasters that Australia is going to face in the climate future. Yes. And we also about where we build. We need to be, we need to stop building in flood zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to uh, think very carefully about where we're developing and what risks we are exposing people to. And we have to remember as well, the households we're talking about, because of that effect of, um, you know, lower income people being in higher risk areas, they're not necessarily going to be able to afford the the adaptation and resilience building effects that that are needed. And that's where I think we need uh, government support. Yeah. Some people don't even realise they're living in perhaps a high flood risk area until they go to get insurance. So that's another problem. Yes. Consumers and Australians need to have access to better information about that and an easier access to that information so that they can make uh, better choices. Mm. I think it's it's fair to say that, you know, many people would have bought these houses in good faith, believing them to be in safe places and that there are ways to improve the system uh, and that it is failing them. And it comes also to the buildings industry in terms of the building standards that are there. It needs coordinated action between federal, state and local governments. Uh, Insurers are also part of that picture in terms of uh, understanding and explaining the risk. We also know that banks who lend people money to buy these houses, and that's part of the complexity of the issue, Sam, is that it's not just one group of stakeholders. It's it's a whole bunch of people uh, playing in these decisions and and how they pan out for uh, Australians today. So tell me, what do the insurers say about all of this? I can see Andrew Hall, the head of the Insurance Council of Australia, he argues that making a house flood-proof, that just isn't enough and more actually needs to be done. So what we've got to do is improve the building standards in Australia. We've got to uh, strengthen homes that sit in parts of cyclones. And particularly when it comes to flood, we've got to move quickly to start removing people from those areas at risk or putting up the infrastructure to protect them because we know where floods happen. Insuring Australian homes sounds rather problematic. The insurance industry, it's absolutely in the interest for insurance to be affordable so that people can buy their products and services. And so they are working with government to look at these ranges of solutions that we've talked about. But Saranjit, is it really a case that no matter what we do, there will be some areas in this country that will become completely uninsurable? Uh, look, I, I don't have to say about the will be because we're already seeing that. We're, we're seeing the buybacks happening. We're seeing uh, communities struggling with some really difficult decisions about can we actually live here anymore? And that's already happening today. The positive news is we have seen governments get onto this. That wasn't the case uh, a few years ago where federal funding for disaster resilience was much lower. 
I'm actually optimistic, Sam, I have to say, for the first time in a very long time that we're taking those types of actions. I also think, you know, we are seeing governments waking up to the impact of climate change and starting to take actions. I think they can do more. Otherwise, the cost of climate change will be felt. Consumers and the average Australian will see it in their insurance costs. And very much insurance is the canary in the coal mine here. Sharanjit Padam is a principal in the climate analytics practice at Finity Consulting and the lead author of the Actuaries Institute report into home insurance affordability. His research found the households hit the hardest by rising insurance costs are in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales. This episode was produced by Lara Corrigan, Veronica App App and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.